a KJAC Radio production. Hey everyone and welcome back to Randy's Metal Reviews, my weekly podcast where I review a new metal album each week, tell you what's worth buying, and tell you what's worth throwing in the trash. This week, I'm going to be reviewing one of my favorite artists, I say that every time, Ozzy Osbourne, and his album, Blizzard of Oz. This was Ozzy's first solo album after after he got fired from Black Sabbath. And uh, I think the first time I heard Ozzy was when I was a little kid. Probably Crazy Train was a song I had heard, and everyone's heard that song. But I think being so amazed with the guitar in that song, and it's such a catchy song and well-known song in general, that it really intrigued me to listen to more. And my dad had a whole bunch of their CD, his CDs, and I listened to a, I listened to a lot of them. So this one I chose because I know most of the songs on it. Well, I know all the songs on this one, but the other song, the other albums, I don't know all of them. I haven't listened to every single one, but this is a debut album. I really like it. So before I start actually reviewing it. Here's a little history on Ozzy's solo career, a little bit on his bandmates along the way since he kind of went through some different guitarists, different drummers sometimes. Um, But uh, the original lineup for uh, Blizzard of Oz, you had Ozzy, of course, a lead singer, Randy Rhodes on guitar, Bob Daisley on bass, and you got Lee Kerslake on drums. And what's cool about this one is um, Ozzy and the, his bandmates actually, rec- they didn't record there, but they went six days to Clearwell Castle to get everybody to pace and learn all the new songs that they were going to be doing. And this was the same castle slash recording studio that Queen, Led Zeppelin, Deep Purple, who they recorded some albums there back in the day. Then, um, so after the six days, Ozzy and his band ended up recording the rest of it in um, Ridge Farm Studio. But uh, a cool point about that castle that they recorded in, it was like, um, it was built in the 1700s, and they had this old castle that um, used to be somebody's house. It was like a Gothic revival movement or something. And they had this castle of somebody's house, and then it got burned down. And then a few years later, well, actually quite a few years later, it uh they ended up restoring it bit by bit in the 50s they restored it a little more and later on they ended up turning it into a recording studio and it must be a pretty good one if you have bands like that recording their albums in there i don't know what could be cooler than recording an album in a castle it looks pretty sick i'm gonna have to make a trip down there eventually but uh okay so after blizzard of oz I'm going to get back to Blizzard of Oz because that's the one I'm reviewing later. But after that, Diary of a Madman released on November 7th, 1981, their second, his second album. And this was the last album to have Lee Kerslake on drums, even though like apparently he wasn't credited for like the drum stuff. But the drummer at the time was like, yeah, I, I know you can tell it's not me on drums. You can tell I didn't write those drums. So he gives him the credit that it was due. And um, yeah, after this album, this album was good. They had like Flying High again and 
I don't really know that many others from this one. There's a lot of really good ones. I should know more. But uh, both the bassist and the drummer were fired right like right after this. Like they went to they went on some trip and then they came back and next thing you know, you have two replacement guitarists and drummer, a bassist and drummer, and yep, they're out of the band. I guess I had heard some stuff about there being drama with Sharon and Ozzy's band and everything like that, but I didn't realize she just like fired people from the band. I don't know exactly how it played out. I'm not too concerned about the drama considering that was like years and years ago, but the cover art on the, um, was it Diary of a Madman is pretty, it's pretty recognizable. It's the one when Ozzy's like, He's standing on the right side with, like, zombie makeup and, like, the frills on his jacket. And something I didn't notice about this album, and I'm not sure if it's on every single album cover, but I saw another version of it with him and his son, Louie, in, like, the left corner, like, with the same, like, a matching outfit as Ozzy. And just, it's, it's kind of cute. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I didn't even notice that was one of them. Or that he had more than one son. I said I wasn't really going to cover the drama that much, but some of it's kind of interesting. So Sharon and Ozzy and like their managers and stuff in 2002. So way after the release of this, like over 20 years, they did a reissue of Diary of a Madman. But instead of those two, instead of Daisley and um, Lee Kerslake, you seriously just had they replaced them with Robert Trujillo better known as the bassist from Metallica, and Mike Borden from Faith No More on drums. I haven't listened to it, but fans were kind of furious because they just re-released it without any any kind of saying that it, no sticker or anything that said this is an additional version of the album. And so fans weren't very happy at that, happy about that. So both the original drummer and bassist just sued they sued Ozzy and Sharon in one so they got songwriting credits and stuff and Ozzy said it wasn't his idea to produce uh, the that special version Sharon said it was was his idea I don't really care that much interesting stuff though I'm glad they got credit for the songs that they had written and played so then after that, Ozzy released Bark at the Moon in November 1983. This was the first one to have the guitarist Jake E. Lee. He did a good job. Haven't heard much of this one, but Bark at the Moon is a very good song. Next, you have February 1986, The Ultimate Sin. Um, this one, I have not heard any real good reviews about. And Ozzy himself said it's one of his least favorite albums. But if there's one good thing about this album, it has some really nice um, cover art. There is a, a demon lady fighting a dragon. And the dragon has Ozzy's head. And they're like over a pit of lava. And there's like a nuclear blast in the back. It's, it's weird. But very metal. You need to check it out. Um, the Ultimate Sin, Ozzy, album cover. And after that album, they ended up releasing No Rest for the Wicked. 
on October 22nd, 1988. This was the first album to feature Zach Wilde on guitar. And that, I think, was a defining moment, one of the defining moments in this era. I would say you would kind of categorize each Ozzy album by who was the guitarist because that influences it a lot. Not only, I mean, yeah, Ozzy writes a lot of the songs, but the guitarists are what I really focus and remember because the solos are so memorable and it's kind of what makes listening to Ozzy so great. Yeah, that being said, this one, No Rest for the Wicked, I haven't listened to much. I know that Crazy Babies is good, Miracle Man is good, and I was reading a thing about um, what the album art is talking about, like what it's all about. It's kind of weird. You got Ozzy sitting in a chair with like a few like people standing around him. It's like a skull on the chair. Apparently it was like um, whoever did the picture, they're like, uh, John's concept was to position and portray Ozzy as Jesus Christ. And he got like a professional photographer and is in a lot of best album sleeve books. So it's a memorable cover. Very weird, but not actually that weird, but pretty metal. The album they released after this, I would say, is my second favorite Ozzy album, and that was. No More Tears, released 17th of September, 1991. I love this album. Zach Wilde is the guitarist on this one. He wrote a lot of the songs. And you had the old bassist, Bob Daisley, from the first album, come back for a while. He plays bass on the entire thing. And this album, I think, gets a lot of radio play just simply because it's such a great one. There's so many songs that I love off this one. You have... No More Tears, that's great. Hellraiser, Road to Nowhere. And not to mention Mama I'm Coming Home is on there too, which not my favorite of his songs, but it's a classic. I haven't really listened after this, after No More Tears. I haven't listened to very many full Ozzy albums, but I'm going to go through them anyway. Um, the next one they released after No More Tears was Osmosis, released October 1995, and I don't know how I hadn't heard of this album. I knew that Zach Wilde had played with Ozzy for a while. This one, I've only heard a little bit. I listened to one of the songs on there. They actually had Geezer Butler from Black Sabbath, the bassist from Black Sabbath, play on some of these tracks. It's fantastic in the eyes of, like, guitar work. And every uh, everything I saw on the internet about about this album that is that how underrated it is for how how good it is. They said for like for a guitar player, it's great. So I, I'm gonna listen to the rest of it. But it got reasonably reasonably well reviews. Billboard 200s got they got fourth on that. So n next, Down to Earth was released October 16th, 2001. This one had Robert Trujillo on bass and Mike Borden on drums and Zach Wilde again. I don't know much about this album either. You'll probably recognize the song Dreamer because that's the only one I recognized off there. I really got to broaden my Aussie, but I know the, I know the main, um, I know the main popular ones, you know, after that they released Black Rain. May 2007, 
this one actually was one of his highest selling debuts. You had certified, it was certified gold in the United States. Very good work by Zach Wilde again, Mike Borden. This was the last album that had Zach Wilde on guitars on guitar. And I don't want to stop is my favorite. I think it just stands out because it's a very it's a very nice guitar tone. I think it's mastered really well. I I gotta listen to the rest of it. I'm a huge I'm a huge Aussie fan. I just need to uh, listen to the rest, you know. And uh, I was supposed to see Aussie in concert a while back, uh, a few years ago. I don't know how exactly how long ago it was. But I bought tickets. I was like, I was a hundred something bucks. I don't remember. But I bought tickets. I was like, I'm not gonna be able to see Ozzy too many more times. This guy's getting old, but he's still at it. I want to see him while I can. I don't want him to quit before I can actually get a chance to go see him in a show. And then I think he hurt his back, and then he got sick one of the other times. And I don't know. I'm sure he's fine now. But now we got the virus to worry about, which apparently. Uh, who knows when that's going to end. But I want to see Ozzy as soon as I can. Is if I just hope he doesn't quit before I can see him because Ozzy is fantastic. After that album, Ozzy released, what was it? Uh, an album called Scream. This one he recorded it recorded in The Bunker, which is the studio in his house. And I guess critics said it was okay. It placed, it got on the charts and... Um, the UK, but not super good reviews on it, I guess. I haven't listened to that one. I'm going to have to check out that one. As well as the rest of uh, Ordinary Man, the album released February 2020 by Ozzy. It actually has got, that one got really good reviews. That was 10 whole years after the album Scream. So it got a lot of positive reviews, most talking about how it's a good return to form for Ozzy, and he sounds pretty much the way he always has, especially at 71 years old, to be still doing albums and stuff. It's it's really cool to hear, and I need to check out the rest of the album. But this is was the same time that he also did a song called Take What You Want with Post Malone. And to hear Ozzy on a Post Malone song... It was kind of weird, but it's like for some reason it worked. So I thought that was a really great collaboration at the, around the same time as uh, this one. All right. Yeah, that was a little long-winded, but it's kind of nice to know the history behind the artists that you may not have heard before. And without a further ado, here we go. The actual review of Ozzy Osbourne, Blizzard of Oz, released March 1981. Yes. All right. This is my favorite Ozzy Osbourne album. Not only because it's the first one, just because it it's just a classic. My One of my favorite guitarists of all time is Randy Rhodes. We share a name, so that's awesome. Plus, he's one of the best guitarists who has ever lived. And in reading actually about the album and what all went into it. I didn't realize that a lot of the songs were written by the drummer and the bassist and Randy Rhodes as well, which, um, yeah, it was apparently that's why he, why he left. Cause originally they were meant, they're going to be called blizzard of Oz. It was going to be 
Blizzard of Oz was going to be in the big print, and then maybe like a smaller Ozzy Osbourne below. But when they went on stage for like the first time, they had a big sign and it had Ozzy Osbourne's band, and then Blizzard of Oz was smaller than smaller than that, and then you had the album with a huge Blizzard. You had a huge Ozzy Osbourne, and then a small Blizzard of Oz. So it kind of just definitely turned Randy Rhodes away from um, Ozzy Osbourne stuff because he didn't really want to be just a backing band for somebody, but because he was a little bit lesser known back then, so it was like a big chance for him to like get big. But he was huge anyway. First, let's go my favorite song off of the entire album, Mr. Crowley. This song is my favorite because it starts out with a really ominous sounding synth track. Starts slow and like evil kind of sounding. And it drops from one octave like down an entire like full octave lower. And it build, just keeps building. It plays once and then it plays again and then it has a little bit of higher, some higher notes in there. It starts to make kind of a symphonic thing. More and more synth sounds mixed together. Full on 80s sound. And then it hits you with Mr. Crowley. You got Ozzy singing. It's The whole song is just a classic. But that's not why I like it. I like the song most of all because of it has my favorite guitar solo in rock history. Randy Rhodes pulled it off so insanely. He's he's always done good work with Ozzy anyway in all the songs he's done with him. But the entire song just does such a good job building energy and releasing it in the perfect moments. That's why that song is my favorite, Mr. Crowley. My second favorite off of this is a song everyone else knows and will know till the dawn of time, and that is Crazy Train, probably one of the most well-known, recognized guitar riffs in history, the intro riff. I, I learned it when I was very new at guitar. Anybody who wants to learn to play electric guitar knows that song. That shows just how much of an impact Crazy Train has had on everyone and Ozzy Osbourne has had um my other there's some other really good ones on there one that I hadn't really listened to in and analyzed it before is uh Revelation at first I really I had heard the song I was not a big fan I know it's real it's well written it's really well composed and musically great but I didn't really I didn't really listen to it too much, but I lis I listened to it again before I did this review, and I noticed something. Since I hadn't listened to the entire thing, apparently, the piano and the synth near the second half of the song is just so beautiful. Uh, I love that, especially as a pianist. And the second half, I just think the second half of the song is uh is perfect so i really should have given that ch song a chance before that one was that was great 
Then you add Steal Away the Night. That one's pretty good. Not too bad. And then, um, what is it? Goodbye to Romance. Relatable. Not really because the song was actually about when Ozzy got fired from Black Sabbath. And it was like him trying to decide what he was going to do after that. So that was one of the first songs written for Blizzard of Oz and for Ozzy's solo project. And something I had not heard, I don't know if it's like public knowledge at this point, and probably is, but he had a song um, on this album called Suicide Solution, and apparently a 19-year-old shot and killed himself back in 1984, and somehow this song, I guess, um, well, his, the parents sued Ozzy Osbourne about it, and... Uh, but the song was not about committing suicide. It was seriously about, um, it was uh, written about um, Bon Scott, the ACDC old singer who died of alcohol poisoning. And Daisley, the bassist, says that he wrote it about, um, he says he wrote it about Osborne, who could have just followed in the footsteps of Bon Scott, but the charges were dropped, so I guess that's good, even though that's kind of a sad story. I was reading a review today, and it's like saying, what was it? There's a lot of positive reviews on this album, just because it's so well-known, so popular, hit quintuple platinum in the United States, I'm just going to go through t a few different review sites and see if my opinion lines up with what everybody else thinks about it. This one was on ClassicRockReview.com talking about the song um, Revelation. They said, Revelation, Mother Earth is the most intense and perhaps overall best songs on the album. The track contains a chorus of heavy and delicate guitars by Rhodes along with a healthy dose of keyboards, synth, and percussive effects. Osborne also does a masterful job vocally, expertly portraying the apocalyptic desperation of the lyrics. So, yeah, overall super positive, and I'm going to look to see if um, I can find any that, like, disagree with that, because I'm not sure there are any. I found this other review from MetalStorm.net, and whoever wrote this said, um, while this isn't... Ozzy Osbourne album, in many respects, it is about the young lead guitarist Randy Rhodes as much as it is about Ozzy Osbourne. His incredible guitar playing on this album influenced a future generation of metal guitarists. His influence can be se even be seen today, example being Phil Demel of Machine Head, supporting a polka dot design on the guitar as a tribute, and even a drummer playing a Rhodes tribute kit, the being um, the brand dealer of Mastodon. So pretty positive about that. Um, I think another thing to mention about uh, Ozzy Osbourne's solo band, I, I kind of agree that it's almost as much about Randy Rhodes as it is about Ozzy because the guitar stands out so much. And um, Randy Rhodes, seriously, he had some really cool guitars, not to mention his skills on them. He had all these striped guitars, flying Vs, polka dot guitars. Yeah, my favorite guitar he had was like a white Jackson guitar that had, um, it was like a modified Flying V 
with gold hardware and bridge and block inlays. It looked super sick. I'd love to have it, that's for sure. And uh, he didn't even have a whammy bar on these. So what you think may be like kind of a whammy kind of tremolo in uh, Crazy Train, he's actually just bending the guitar neck to for that effect. So I thought that was really interesting after trying to learn the song myself, which I do not know the song. I am working on it at the moment. Anyway, next review, societyofrock.com says, Blizzard of Oz is stunning and glorious. Osborne knew what he wanted to achieve musically, and he went for it. With the help of Rhodes and Bob Daisley, who added depth and flavor to the songs with virtuosity, the LP showed Osborne's versatility as a vocalist. It is a diverse LP that is a mix of metal anthems and interesting ballads. And aside from Osborne's excellent vocal performance, Rhodes brought so much to the table with his neoclassical guitar playing. Blizzard of Oz is raw and powerful. It wasn't reminiscent of Osborne's work with Black Sabbath. On the contrary, he made his own mark with the LP. So, um, that's... I don't really see any negativity on anything. I'm going to check one of the ones that may real quick. Alright, I did a little more looking around. I don't really see too much against this album at all. But this one's a different review from All Music Review. Steve Huey. He said, Ozzy Osbourne's 1981 solo debut, Blizzard of Oz, was a masterpiece of neoclassical metal that, along with Van Halen's first album, became a cornerstone of 80s metal guitar. Upon its release, there was considerable doubt that Ozzy could even become so viable, become a viable solo attraction. Blizzard of Oz demonstrated not only his ear for melody, but an unfailing instinct for assembling top-notch backing bands. Yeah. So seriously, I don't see much negativity from any sort of critics. I did see one, it was a user review on um, albumoftheyear.org, and this guy said, um, as expected, this is a good album, but does it really deserve to be considered one of the best metal projects out there? No. It's like, oh my gosh, okay. Unpopular opinion. Crazy Train and Mr. Crowley are not as good as everyone makes them out to be. It is an undeniable fact that they are classic metal songs, and the only songs in the album I have no problem actually calling metal, if I'm honest. Everyone knows these songs, and everyone loves those songs. They're definitely good tracks, but to me they're carried by Rhodes' ph phenomenal guitar work. His solos are what initially sold me on those tracks as being good, and they are. But everything else about those songs just doesn't live up to that. Don't get me wrong, I still like those songs a hell of a lot and would actually say that they are some of the best I've ever heard from Ozzy, both solo and Sabbath, but I'd be lying if I didn't say it solely for the guitar work. So, I guess that's kind of a fair comment, but, yeah, it's still not negative. All these things are kind of constructive criticism on, like, whether they would have listened to it if there weren't these insane solos by Rhodes, and I think that's kind of what made this album stand out and kind of Ozzy's solo career in general. He always got these insanely good guitarists to back him. Because he had Randy Rhodes, he had Zach Wild. What really more could you ask for in guitar virtuosity? Nothing. I don't think so. Though, interesting enough, I saw an article a while back saying that uh, Ozzy asked Buckethead if he wanted to play for him and he basically is like 
if you take that bucket off your head, then you can play with me. And that's kind of Buckethead's thing. He wasn't going to do that. So for those who don't know, Buckethead was a neoclassical guitarist from a while back. I don't exactly know when, but yeah, he's also a very good guitarist. And I guess other than, I don't know what else to say about this album other than the fact that Blizzard of Oz is one of my, definitely my favorite Ozzy albums and one of the most influential metal albums in terms of guitar and song structure and solos that are just, without a doubt, fantastic. So if you haven't listened to Blizzard of Oz from start to finish, it's a really classic album. You'll probably recognize most of the songs on there since it's been around for a really long time and probably some other Aussie albums you might also enjoy. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of Randy's Metal Reviews. This was Ozzy Osbourne's Blizzard of Oz. I'll see you next time. Good night.